Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. We're recording this on Sunday night after Real Madrid recorded their fifth consecutive league win and seventh win in their last eight matches. And I'm very happy to announce that I found someone else on planet Earth who would rather record this podcast than watch Super Bowl. And that other human is our very own Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Kian. Yeah, I'm one of those uh, rare Americans who just really doesn't, not that bothered by the Super Bowl. Um, I'll have it on a little bit later, but just kind of in the background. Um, I actually kind of prefer the commer- just watching the commercials because that's, that's the good stuff. Yeah, I, did, I keep tabs on Twitter to see the commercials. I did see the, the little Avengers teaser trailer thing they had. Um, either I live under a rock or just maybe the marketing of the NFL is not what it used to be. I feel like if even though I never really watched football, I would always know in advance <clears throat> when the Super Bowl is. Like I literally kind of as the Real Madrid game was starting is when I actually realized this, the Super Bowl was today. Um, I, it just does it have the same pull? I honestly have no idea. I don't know the answer, but I'm just like curious to know. Well, apparently this year, at least from what I've read, uh, the NFL's ratings has in, have, has improved here. It was actually like one of the better seasons. So take that however you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's completely fair and uh, happy for all those NFL fans. So we are here to talk about the real football, and that is the football that Real Madrid played today at the Bernabeu <clears throat> against Alaves in what was a game... Mm, I'm just like going into it, Matt. There was, there were a few storylines. One was the fact that Real Madrid were in good form, obviously for the first time. Maybe this, maybe the second time, you know. And with the other being the start to the season, the initial little burst with Lopetegui, that there's a kind of like this good vibe with the team right now. The team is playing well tactically. Um, Solari has has kind of flexed his muscles a little bit. The energy has been good. People are in form. Uh, people are rounding into form when they haven't been earlier this season. And this is against an Alaves team, which Real Madrid lost to um, when Lopetegui was in charge. And it was not an easy game. Real Madrid looked terrible. Arguably, actually, among the very bad performances this season, that may have been one of the worst, if not the worst. Their XG in that game was 0.45 or something. It was like the creation that Real Madrid had was virtually zero in that game in Mendizorosa. And... Um, and then you had players out for this one, some of them suspended, some of them um, just being rested, and some of them for tactical reasons. So players like Marcelo, tactical, um, some suspensions, Varane and Carvajal, I believe. And then um, you had Kroos resting, you had uh, Lucas Vasquez resting. So then you have this opportunity to see for the first time, and this was their first start together, Bale, Vinicius, and Benzema. And I'm curious to know what was your... What was your assessment of that front three? Well, I think we all would have hoped for a little bit more from Gareth Bale today. Of the three, he was by far the quietest. Um, Vinicius Jr. was just, he was the spark plug. He was the difference. He was the star man today by far. Um, Kareem Benzema continues to be in fine form, scoring his 10th La Liga goal, his 18th in all competitions. So he's, I mean... He's when the goals are when the goals come they really come and he's looking really good right now. Hopefully he can keep that up heading into the midweek. But yeah, I would say Gareth Bale is just it's very very quiet kind of. I really actually those three um, in in being the trident. What what were your thoughts? Um, basically that. 
Bail. So like bail. <clears throat> I there there are excuses you could have made for him in this game, which I don't think are actually excuses. Um, excuses being that one. Uh, Alaves, I thought, did really well packing the flank. And this is the second time I've done this against Real Madrid, where they really denied Odriozola space. Odriozola eventually found the space. They went to him enough. And then towards the end, Alaves just really collapsed. Odriozola had um, a good chance and a disallowed goal and then the assist to Mariano. But and like, but the thing is, like, even on the left, like I think you could make those all those excuses for Vinicius on the left and like Alaves denied his space too but he kept going at them at them um he had the the hockey assist to regulon for the for the benzema goal and then um as soon as he loses the ball he goes into recovery mode tracks back either makes a tactical foul wins the ball back like his defense has been one of the bright spots i think this season like definitely one of the surprises i think um just how good he's been defensively and the way in the manner he tracks back and his decision making was like raw, and then like literally the next day, like overnight, it seemed like all of his decision making issues just went away. Like it just, he makes the right <laughs> pass, he cuts in, he's unselfish, he's a team player. I know that's kind of cliche to say, but like this is all the things that people were worried about him. Like they were criticizing him, like he was young, he's raw, he's he's selfish, he shoots, he doesn't pass. Like no, like he's literally putting his like soul on the pitch, like working hard, tracking back, getting his teammates involved. He started and finished the, you know, his own goal, Real Madrid's second goal. Bale to me was just passive. Like there was that initial burst to the second half where Solari, I think, in his way of trying to wake Bale up, puts him on the left. Um, and I'm just not sure. Like it kind of worked, I guess, in the 49th minute. He had a first his first shot, uh, which Pacheco. Saved. It was a good, eff- good effort. Good, um, a good chance. Nice Modric through ball. Then he had the free kick where he sends over the bar, um, and then that was it. So I guess maybe the only other excuse that he has that Vinicius didn't have was that he's still coming back, um, or still maybe trying to get integrated after his injury. I, what did you think this was? A matter of just Vasquez getting rested to start over Bale in the Clasico, or do you think Bale gets one more shot in, in the Camp Nou? My gut tells me that Vasquez is going to start, but yeah. I think it just, I think when the season, as we go deeper into the season, let's say Ajax, um, I think Solari's trying to get Bale revved up so that he can put that as, can put Bale, Benzema, Vinicius as his front three. I think that's, I, I have a feeling that's going to be his front three. And, um, I think he's just trying to get Bale's fitness levels up right now. But I think heading into Wednesday, it's probably going to be Vasquez who gets the nod. I mean, it very may, may very well be that Bale starts like one or two of these eight Classicos that are coming up. So, I mean, maybe he doesn't start the next one. Maybe he starts the second or third one. Um, or maybe he starts one of them. I mean, this is we have Athletic coming up. There's The schedule is really crazy. I mean, I, we don't need to read it for everybody. Everybody knows by now. So, um it's almost like I think Sol- Solari will just get rest for players where he can because it's grueling. It's a it's a grueling upcoming schedule. So maybe Vasquez starts one and doesn't start the other. Um, uh, I, you know who knows. But you have the player ratings for this game. What would who was the standout for you? 
Well, I think by far we touched on it. Vinicius Jr. was the man of the match for me. And I think everything you said before is spot on. And I think the one thing that he's really done that has just been crucial to kind of Madrid's recent uptick in form has been his ability to just receive the ball, turn, and then just go, be direct, beat one, two, three players. And then by doing that, he creates space and creates opportunities for his other teammates in attack. And, I mean, we all know, we've seen the connection he has with Karim Benzema. Those two just play off each other so well. But I think his just direct play, his fearlessness, his, uh, just his ability to be the defender one-on-one and just do it consistently. As soon as he gets the ball, he's got one thing on his mind, especially when he's out there on the left flank. He just wants to take people on and go at him. Um, and I love it. Like, we haven't had that at all this season until he came in. So it's been, I mean, it's been refreshing to see. And he's just got just so much, just, he's just got that raw energy, like, that you love. I mean, it's, this is, we we do want to kind of temper expectations. I mean, we've seen it before. There's, you see young kids come all the time, and then it never actually pans out. But, I mean, this kid right now is one of Madrid's best in pieces, and so there's no doubting that. Um, sky, sky's the limit, in my opinion. He just has to continue to kind of take the, keep take game by game, continue to add that end production. Um, I think getting that goal today will be huge. I also have a good connection, a la him and I think they both. Those are his two guys that he really plays well off of, and we saw that on uh, Vinicius's goal. It was a counterattack. He's dribbling up the field. He sees Asensi on the opposite side, switches the ball, picks his head up, switches the ball. Um, Asensi returns the favor with a footed cross, and he just has the composure, picks his head up, slots it in the corner. So that was all really good to see. Well, to your point about tempering expectations, I mean, like, the big one of the biggest examples we have, we have him in, in our squad, Asensio, who, like, it really felt like there was a point where he couldn't do anything wrong. And um, and it was like exactly, around yeah. that Super Copa time last season, he scores the golazos. And then when Real just started the season slow last season, when Ronaldo missed those five games in the league, he stepped up, he scored free kick, late free kick against Valencia. He was shooting from distance, he was scoring all these goals. Uh, had just come off, obviously, the Juventus Champions League final where he scores. He scored in, like, every single debut he's ever had in any competition. And, like, you know, he goes through he goes through a short spell and, like, people can really easily turn. Um, it would be interesting to see how Vinicius copes with his first, like, poor run of form. I feel like eventually that comes because no player is flawless, like nobody. And, um, you know, I'm sure there will be testy times ahead for him at some point. But for now, I mean, just it's, it's great signs. Benzema... I mean, it's an interesting, just something interesting is that if he can get scoring help consistently outside of him, um, this team will, well, first of all, he has to sustain the scoring, which we, we're not entirely sure if it's sustainable yet. Um, he needs to keep his cast on all season, I think. Um, but also, he just also needs some scoring help. And I think if... It may be a matter of, like, there's not that one guy. Um, it may just be, like, sometimes Vinicius, sometimes Bale, sometimes Asensio, sometimes Modric, Casemiro, sometimes Ramos, whoever. But if he can just get be that, if he can sustain this form. So I put out a stat yesterday just kind of, and it's always silly 
and I, like you know, I mean, I feel even silly reading this stat because Benzema is not Cristiano Ronaldo and never will be. But he has scored more goals than Cristiano this season. Um, he's at 18, and Ronaldo's at 17. Benzema's done it in 47 less shots and no penalties. If he sustains that, and plus gets someone else to just step up with him this season, that really changes things this season, I think. Because, and I've been saying that it needs to be Mariano or and Bale, like since the beginning of the season, just because they have the ones, they're the ones who have the shot volume um, stats. Although Bale's kind of slowed down a bit, maybe it's just the injuries are taking a toll. But. I was just really happy for Marianne to get his goal after, like he said, he even said like he was a bit nervous today, and you saw that with his like crazy touches or non touches. Um, but then you saw what he can do. Like, oh my God, this guy's freak athlete. Um, if he can get going, that changes things. Do you see anybody outside of Benzema stepping up? And did you do you think Mariano can get in, kind of get into the fold here? Well, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about uh, Mariano and then some of these. If you look at the bet, like now that we start having our injured players come back, our bench is strong. Yeah, um, it is. And having Asensio, Isco, Mariano, we didn't even have, use Lucas Vasquez today. Um, I mean, we have a lot of Marcelo even. We have a lot of options and just weapons on the bench. And I think that's where... Um, <clears throat> we have an opportunity to kind of help bring some in production and support Karim Benzema. Because uh, like you said, I, I just, I'm always, I'm wary because we we really haven't seen this type of goal scoring. I mean, it's been very rare to see this from Karim Benzema ever in his Real Madrid career. Um, I'm, maybe the 2011-2012 season, but aside from that, I, I can't I can't really think of another time he's been this prolific. Um, so I, I think there's always kind of a little, um, just a little cautious hesitation about saying, Hey, Kareem Benzema can do this for the whole season. But I, I do think that the other part of this and, um, something we haven't touched on yet is the midfield's improving as well. And I think a big, big, big part of that is Luka Modric in the last, I, we've won, what is it? Seven of the last eight games, I think. Yeah. In those games, Luka Modric has really begun to look like his old self again. <laughs> yeah. When that happens, it makes such a big difference. Just was buzzing, mighty in possession, really, really good game. And then Casemiro was an absolute monster. He had six tackles, team high six tackles. I think it was through three clearances and two interceptions, or maybe vice versa. I got to look back at my notes, but he was just an absolute monster defensively. Um, and having him and Marco Llorente, because midweek, Llorente was just an absolute monster. To have those two just come all out duel for the rest of the season for that spot is going to be, is only going to be beneficial for us Madridistas because those two are just, are both workaholics. Um, and so they're going to push each other to the absolute limit. And I think having our midfield start to, rev its engine and really start to produce is what's going to help support guys like Asensio, Vinicius, Mariano, uh, even Lucas Vasquez gets more goals. So I think that's that's going to be a key feature to this team, able to support Benzema and score, continue to score goals like we are. Well, 
no doubt, like, if Cruz will come back for the Classic, uh, and um, he'll start that, and he's also looked good lately. So once you have Modric and Cruz at their peak, that obviously changes everything. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was I was looking at Ceballos. I thought the last two games, like, last game against uh, a Girona, I guess, um, I thought he was one of the one of maybe two players who didn't look great, um, whereas the rest of the team did. And then uh, he, but, and I thought today he had a lot of like wonky touches as well. Like he had, his touch seemed a bit off, but then you also look at like what he can do, like in, in conjunction to some of those silly mistakes and giveaways and, and um, you know, against Giron, it was like a back heel deep in his own half that like was just given away and started, started an attack. Um, you also just see what he does. Like he can, he can unlock defenses. He had four key passes, and so him and Modric combined for nine. And then um, they also combined for the most touches in this game. So they were they were engines. And I think I would also say like I I don't think this was Real Madrid's best performance. I think in a way the three nil maybe flattered them a little bit. Um, I think they obviously deserve to win on the broadcast. Guillaume Balaga at one point. Um, he said that Alaves deserved something from this game. I I wouldn't go that far. I don't think they did. I think they Real Madrid were clearly the better team, and like they had the one um, Maripan chance late, which when it was already two 0 I believe at that time they had a Cagliari shot from an acute angle. I don't know much else. They had a Ruben Duarte Duarte shot in the in the box. Um, I feel like Johnny had at least something dangerous. I can't remember what it was. Maybe a shot it was maybe that was a shot that Courtois also saved. But this was just Real Madrid also. Like even though it looked like Alaves and they did. They had a really good structured team, I think. They they've been punching above their weight all season and last season. They don't need much of the ball to be effective. Um they almost nicked a goal. Even still, like it this Real Madrid was just better. Like it was like it was so clear to see like they were just especially like as it got later and Alaves just kind of collapsed even the second goal um you know they just they kind of just like at that point Real Madrid I think had just broken them they had a bunch of shots and then apart from the goal we had the Odrio Zola shot late we had like a bunch of shots in the box we had a bunch of shots outside the box and so while and I mentioned this immediate in the immediate reaction while I do think that the energy and the pressing wasn't sustained for 90 minutes or wasn't as high octane as it's been in previous games. I was just like, I'll take this because it's 3-0. You get a Mariano goal. You get a Vinicius goal. You get Benzema continuing his thing, to do his thing. And you also keep in mind that Barcelona Atletico dropped points. When, have, when was the last time we actually capitalized on that? I can't remember. I just I just go into every game when Barcelona and Atletico drop points, and I just say to myself, well, that's cool, but we're not going to capitalize on this. It just doesn't seem like we will. And we did today. Yeah, finally. We finally did. And I I think that the first half was kind of a little bit lackluster for Madrid. I think, like you said, Alaves and Alvarado, Alvarado team is always going to be set up really strong defensively. And they were. They were pretty tough to break down. Um, but as soon as we got that first goal, I think there was kind of just this feeling that no way Real Madrid loses this. Like, we've got this. Um, and as this, we as we entered the second half and the match were on, I thought 
Um, we just took more and more control of the game. Yeah, Alaves had some opportunities, but really all their shots were directly at Courtois. There was nothing that was really, oh my God, oh my God, they might score. Like I, I never felt um, like the one nothing lead was in danger. And then as soon as we got the second goal, it was kind of game over in my, in my, in my opinion. Um, so I thought we grew as the match wore on. And like you said, we didn't, Solari didn't look to execute any type of press in this game. So I think we were kind of, I mean, this may be a bold take, but I, I think we were looking to conserve our energy energy a bit and just control this match and be a little bit more in cruise control heading into the, heading into the midweek. Yeah. Do you have any other notes on this game before we move to questions? Well, I just think we haven't talked much about the defense tonight. And I thought nearly everyone in the back four yeah. had a really good game. Um, I thought not. This was probably one of Nacho's best performances of the season. He's yeah. been kind of up and down this year, and I thought today he looked like old Nacho, who just how, like was able to track things down, good in possession, putting a lot of good tackles. I just thought it was a really good game from Nacho again. A just great game from Ramos, who's been in pretty good form as of late, and then obviously Regulon and Odriozola both getting uh, assists in this match, and I'm I. People who have heard me and I've written about regular, I just love regular. And I think what a, what a, like, it's just so rare to see a kid come up and um, play so well in his debut season and get such significant minutes. And yeah. just can, like, he's so consistent. He very rarely puts a foot wrong. And I've just been so impressed with him. I really, really like regular. Um, and I thought Odria Zola, um, I thought his first touch looked improved today, like on the run. When we, he was always an outlet. When we're kind of stuck on maybe the left side, you could switch the ball, uh, and his speed and just width provided that outlet. And I thought his first t- first touch looked better than in previous matches. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought up the backline because I actually completely forgot to talk about them. And I thought Nacho and Ramos in particular were were so good. Um, and out of the two, Nacho, um, really the standout in terms of just. And really important interventions in both the first half and the second half um, to keep Alaves at bay on the break. Um, Odriozola, like I, ha- I had a lot of notes on him in this game, and I think in the end, obviously he, I think he wins the Johnny duel, duel which he didn't in Mendizorosa. And I, there were times where I didn't think he was the better of the two either in this game, but. Despite you know him like you know at times running out of space on the flank, um, Real Madrid kept going to them, and he 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 won corners for the team. He was often alone and trying to cut in, and the flanks were were there was a lot of there were a lot of numbers um, Alaves shirts on his side. Anytime the ball would go there, um, he had his pace like is just crazy. Like you can pass the through ball, like a heavy heavy pass, and he'll get to it, um, which is just something extra that the defender has a disadvantage of backtracking and trying to defend that. And then um, there was this one moment where, uh, you know, he gets beaten by Johnny. Ramos comes over to the rescue and and he stops Johnny. And then there was this moment where, I don't know if you remember, but there was a moment in in the first half where Pacheco, it's just like phenomenal distribution from Pacheco where he just hoofs it up the field and... I don't know if it was Johnny or who which Alaves player gets to it, uh, but Odrizola just just literally like catches up and 
and takes the ball from him like just like really just really amazing defending but then his is that was the moment where his back pass was also terrible to Courtois <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, and yeah so it was like a double-edged sword and you know, it was like a little bit of good and bad from him but overall um overall good um that's it right I think I'm trying to look at my notes um yeah, I'm glad you brought up the backline though. Um, so let's move to questions. Patreon.com slash managing Madrid is where you go to pledge, get di- different awards um, based on your pledge. And as you know, it's going up to a $5 minimum pledge in March on March 1st and then uh, $10 for a guaranteed response to your questions. So we appreciate everything. Uh, we appreciate you guys helping us grow this podcast and uh you know just it's just kind of our way of of scaling and and we're providing a lot of value a lot of a lot of bonus shows um you know we had to do the loan tracker podcast on tuesdays and we do the midweek shows on wednesdays or thursdays depending on when Real Madrid plays that's those are both only for patrons and we have some special guests coming up uh this month as well so all of the following um comments questions are from patrons the first patron question is from Sajid Reyes he says since you guys are pretty much evangelists of Mauricio Pochettino, and from the last pod it was said that he's basically infallible, are we blindsiding ourselves to some red flags that he may have? Don't get me wrong, I'd love to have him at Madrid. But there are a few things that prop up, leaving aside the lack of trophies. Does his recent statement he made that it's not important to win trophies indicate a lack of winning mentality? Spurs also have been choking in a lot of competitions unexpectedly, and it's a repetitive cycle. Also, he has been called out in the past for inexplicably resting crucial players in key Champions League games. Would someone like Lowe, who's done it in the biggest stage, be a better bet? Also, would you guys like to decipher the thought the thought process behind Solari giving Isco 5-10 minutes every game without just not playing him at all? Is it to force a reaction like today, where he made a key contribution to the third goal on less than 5 minutes on the pitch? Okay, so first, Pac. Um, My feeling on Lowe, by the way, is that I, I just feel like his... His brand of football is a bit stale, a bit outdated. Um, I think Germany just needs something fresh there. With Puck, I don't know if you saw his comment, Matt, about the trophy thing. But he... I didn't. Okay, so what he said was... um, I don't know. It was a press conference. Journalist was asking him about some questions and about the, the title race. And he said that trophies... Um, it's not. It's for them. It's not that important to win trophies. It's important to just finish in the top four, essentially. And so, take that for what you will. I think if he's, I think I if so, I can't really excuse a comment like that. One excuse is just that he does it to take pressure off his players, so they don't feel bad. That was on the back, I believe, of the of the FA Cup loss and. Um, that was also in response or somewhere around where they were talking about a journalist was asking about the Trippier penalty miss. And uh, and I think it was just his way of like let, not really throwing Trippier on the bus and making him feel bad and saying, hey, look, it's not that important. Um, and I kind of get that you're probably not winning a trophy in the Liverpool, this Liverpool City era, it's going to be really, really tough, and you just basically have to be flawless. So for them to get in the Champions League every year is is, is probably like about their ceiling, unless they can get like another superstar into the mix, which I don't know if they can, and they haven't really been spending, if at all. Um, 
so that that's my way of kind of justifying his comment. I don't. I think if he says something like that at Real Madrid, though, he's like, "There's no way." I think he would get crucified. Well, Solari already says. Well, that's true. Solari has said something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Solari mentioned the draws, right? That it draws are underrated or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. And I think the other thing I saw a stat about Pochettino's Tottenham, and it was something like, if you doubled every player's wage, it may have even been, I don't think it was true, but if you doubled every player's wage on Tottenham, and there was something else that went with it, um, and it was like a ridiculous stat, uh, it still wouldn't be enough to um, catch up to Manchester City's wage bill and their spending. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and they're in second place right now. So that puts it all in perspective. Um, what what he's able to do with the resources he has and some of the players he has, it's just been pretty unbelievable uh, if you really, really think about it. And obviously, obviously he comes to Madrid and it just doesn't work out. I mean, we, it, there, there's always that chance. And Madrid is just one of those clubs where the pressure is – almost unbearable at times and you never you never never know what could happen but I think just from kind of the intangibles that he has and what we've seen from him tactically and like you said unlike Lowe who's kind of his football is kind of like you said stalled and um, hasn't really progressed with the modern game I think Pochettino is just the opposite I think you you saw it when Tottenham took on Chelsea who when Chelsea were in red-hot form, everyone was talking about sorry, and Tottenham just absolutely smashed them and delivered, and the press they executed was just unbelievable. Um, and so to have that type of manager would would be fun. It would be fun to see what he could do with Madrid and all the young talent that we have coming through. Um, but in saying that, I mean, again, right now, Solari is doing a decent job. Uh, we can't discredit the job Solari's doing. He's finally got his team kind of in a groove, kind of in good vibe. So hopefully that continues. Um, any thoughts on the Isco comment? Because so like those, those basically any minutes like, like are part of the conclusion of the game. I'm running my reaction. I'm not really looking unless the, you know, there's something happening yeah. with like, like a goal or like a, a big chance or something. Um, yeah. Any, so, any verdict on Isco? Yeah. Well, Speed, I know you have to get your uh, your Isco comment in there. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I actually thought Isco looked really good in the five to ten minutes he got. He was positive. He was good on the ball, and then obviously he was architect for that third goal. We that was a gorgeous, gorgeous, uh, almost like long ball through ball to Odriozola. Um And yeah, I thought I thought he, for someone who was only given really came on the eighty sixth minute. To be able to leave an impact, that's what you got to do. That's the only way you're going to be able to get more minutes. If, if the coach is going to give you five minutes, then those five minutes you've got to leave your mark. And he did that. Um, so hopefully that five minutes then translates into 10 minutes and 15 minutes and then some full games and then just gradually working his way. But he's got to perform every single time he gets out there because Solari is not going to give him any inch to make a mistake. I mean, we know that. Um, so it was, it was a good 10 minute cameo it wasn't even 10 minutes so um that was that was good for Misco. i think isco playing time stuff will actually come back towards the end of the podcast with other questions and and the the tough schedule we have um but sheikh atiri 
Another patron has more comments and questions. He says, the Alaves game was great. A bail goal would have made it perfect. Mariano, Vinny, and Benzema all scored with a gorgeous pass in the last goal from Isco. Besides, we kept a clean sheet. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm really excited about the prospects of Vinicius Jr. He had, if I'm not mistaken, seven shots, which is really good. Finally, the team seems comfortable with Benzema, Vasquez, and Vinny in form, which three should lead the Clasico. Bale didn't seem to be informed today without determination, um, while Mariano looked a little rusty but very determined. And Asensio was a ghost for the few minutes he got. Um, although I will, this is Keon talking now, he did obviously have the assist to Vinicius. Um, but, Vinicius uh, but Asensio has a good classical track record. Last point Vinicius um, has such an unconventional and fantasy style of play with excellent sense of his surrounding details. I sometimes wonder whether he has a mad eye, like Mad Eye Moody from Harry Potter. I gotta tell you, <laughs> I don't know the reference. Do you? Yeah, I do. I okay. I grew up reading Harry Potter, so I know the reference. Okay. Um, <laughs> anything anything to to note on this? Uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of ta- talked about it earlier. I just think it'll be interesting to see who does get the nod in the Classico. Um, that will really, I think that will tell us how Solari thinks and how he's thinking about this team and whether it will be uh, based on kind of merit with, I would think Lucas Vazquez will get the nod based on merit or just kind of overall um, quality will Bale get the nod. Um, so we'll see. And I don't think Asensio was a ghost personally. I thought Asensio looked good and he got, like you said, he got an assist. So I, I think as Asensio's coming from injuries, I feel like he's building confidence in another guy that we'll be able to rely on, which will be good. Well, that and it's an interesting point you brought up about who will start on form or merit. I think Solari is more of a reward merit type guy than Zidane was. Yeah, Zidane. Yeah. Well, Zidane, we could see like a player play like the game of his life, and we wouldn't see him again for another month. Um, Solari seems to kind of have like this really takes the competition thing to heart and you know if you're if you're playing while you're competing while you're in and if you're not then you you'll get back maybe when you you get back that's just kind of how it works i'm very curious i think like i have a relative idea of who starts the classico and i and i think it's vasquez but the one person i'm not sure of and i i'm just i have no idea what happens but i kind of have a hunch i marcelo I ju- it would just, just seems unthinkable for me for Marcel not to be in a Clasico. Yeah. The thing is, with all these games we have coming up, Solari needs to rotate. Yeah. You, can't, you can't throw out the same starting 11 every match. So, honestly, I think this midweek game, I think Marcelo will start. I also, this is a take, I think Llorente is going to start. Mm. Um, I, I think we'll see Vinicius, Benzema, Lucas... Uh, Cruz, Llorente, Modric, Marcelo, Ramos, Veron, Carvajal, and then Navas. I wouldn't hate Llorente starting in a game like that. He has I just in ter- just because mostly because of his press resistance and his ability to to be a be a bit of a ball carrier on those counterattacks. And I think we've seen, and you've noted it before, Keon. I think we've seen Llorente do a better job covering for Marcelo than Casemiro has this year. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> well, I, I you know it's, it's, we we know that just based on 
the eye test and, and just the the notes and and kind of seeing like when Marcelo bombs up like that eight game stretch, Yorente was like always there. Um, Nicole Gand, another patron, is asking for advice. She says, "I'm a teacher. I'm the head of the department, so I get to plan the state testing schedule, and I usually I plan state testing around Champions League matches, so I can watch while the kids test. See that that mad respect for that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and and I plan my own curriculum, so I can take days off for the round of 16. This year, I decided to take a step back since Madrid has been horrible to watch. I thought it's healthy for me to not plan work around soccer and instead just be normal." But now, now, so help me, do I get, do, sh- should I substitute this Wednesday or next Wednesday? Um, so, basically, Nicole is asking us, should she, should, should, should she go back to what she was doing before? And I think it's a no-brainer. I think, yes. Yeah, you got it. Screw normal. Normal, uh, is, normal gets you're, lost in the, the world. Thing is, <laughs> and Nicole, the thing is, you're going to be, if you kind of go schedule that you had planned or Madrid kind of and all this schedule came out, I think the whole time you're just going to be thinking about the game and the whole time you're going to be, if you record it or whatever you do, you're going to be distracted. You're just going to be worrying, worrying what's going on. So um, instead of kind of having a distracted, and I think it's probably best just to find a way to watch the game. Ahmed Al-Mayahi says, just wanted to say that it's a huge pleasure to be a part of the Managing Madrid family. Thank you, Ahmed. Love having you on board. Appreciate the support. Really enjoy the podcast and all your opinions and post-game analysis are insightful and informative. I really love Bale. I love his left foot, his speed, and really loved his contribution in the 14-16 BBC era. But ever since I felt that he has lost some of those attributes or Madrid's current philosophy and structure does not really serve Bale's ability to be at his best. His injury record does not help him, and I really believe that putting Benzema as a false nine, Vinicius left and Asensio Vasquez right, is one that would offer more creativity and chance creation. Although I agree Bale up front does offer a lot in terms of crosses into the box, etc., but I still feel the alternative structure that Solari could implement is the better option. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean... It's hard to say because we really haven't had much of a sample size with the BBV, as they're calling it. Um, and I'd like to see how that looks once Bale's got match fitness and cortical goals, confidence is high. I'd like to see the three of them kind of all in top form and what that looks like. But yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but I think Vasquez should, should start. And um, we'll. But I do think it'll be interesting to see what what, what happens once Bale kind of gets into form. Um, I mean, if, you can take it past fourteen to sixteen. I mean, you can take it as as uh, as recent as last season when he's obviously scored the two Champions League final goals. So I think I don't think it's a matter of Real Madrid doesn't uh, kind of like their system and their philosophy and structure doesn't really serve Bale's ability. I don't think. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I think Vinicius could use that excuse too. Just, I just think that Vinicius' body language mentality is way better than Bale's right now. I don't think Bale's Bale's now turning into just a complete enigma to me. I just, I don't know if it's motivation or <laughs> what it is, but he, I don't think the system or structure is an excuse for him. I think he just he can he can do things in the current scheme, but he's just not doing them. And so I don't know what's wrong with him. 
um, maybe he is starting to get trying to get match fitness. Um, the injuries certainly don't help because it disrupts your rhythm completely. And obviously, we know his injury history. He does historically play well in the camp now. He either gets a disallowed goal or a real goal. So yeah. maybe maybe this gets gets him going a little bit. Well, and if this is kind of veering away from the question, but I'm really interested to see the time comes uh, once Bale is sold and maybe years later when we look back, but what his legacy and how people look at his time here as because, yeah, some saw him as the replacement to Cristiano Ronaldo and thought he'd win the Ballon d'Or, thought he'd <clears throat> just maybe have a bigger role than he's had and take more of a leadership role, but at the same time, when before he came here, it had been 12 years since we won the Champions League, and now we've won four in the last five. So that that in itself, and the other trophies we won, and just that's that's his legacy. He came here to win the Champions League, and he did it four times. Like whatever you want to say, he. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how people look back at Bale's time at Madrid. Well, not only that, but he never shied away in the finals. Um, obviously, he didn't play against Juve, just apart from a cameo like later on. But scored in the Decima, scored in Copa del Rey final, scored in Cardiff. Was it Cardiff or well, Kiev funny, last year? Kiev. Yeah, Kiev. Yeah. The funny thing about La Decima is I'll never forget because I was so frustrated with Bale because he missed a lot of really good opportunities throughout the first 90 minutes. But all everyone remembers, obviously, is him scoring that extra time winner. But if we didn't win that match, uh, I remember he missed some really, really good opportunities. And I was really, fr- and it was kind of, it's kind of like the story of his Madrid career in that game encapsulated. Like he, he's kind of, he has good moments. He has flashes where you think oh, so much better than that. And then at the very end, he comes up with the goods. So um, that I feel like that that game kind of encap- encapsulates Bale. I think to to your point, your question about his legacy, I think years from now or when he's gone, I, I think his legacy will be something like fans will be frustrated because he never amounted to what we thought he would, but, but at the same time thankful for his goals in the finals. I think that's ultimately what his legacy will be. Yeah. It'll be something like that, I think. Uh, can he cut his hair? Kind of like just talking about Decima reminded me that he had a good haircut back then. That makes a world <laughs> yeah. of difference in your confidence, I think. I don't care if he has it a bald does. spot. Just embrace I the think... bald spot. Embrace <laughs> it. Show <laughs> us your bald spot. We are, we'll support you, I promise. <laughs> I mean, some some Twitter trolls probably won't, but I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we at Managing Madrid. Well, uh, and Isco looks like he's growing his hair out again. So here comes the 2017 spring form again, I'm telling you. That's good recognition from Isco to know that yeah. Yeah, to, he can get back to form. When you're this desperate, it's now time to start growing the hair out and hope that uh, L, one of our patrons, says, Hello, this is my first season as a Real Madrid fan, really as a sports fan in general, and I have no idea what is happening to me. There is, where is this newfound capacity for anticipation, delight, joy, and despair coming from? Why do I care so much? Please share your experience on becoming a Real Madrid fan and what compels you to care so much about this team. Thank you for all that you do to create an accessible resource and community. I'm in Seattle where no one knows La Liga exists. And without your great work, I'd be a clueless and lonely monitor you saw. Thanks, Elle. Um, well, also, I just through a previous correspondence with Elle, I know that she also became... Um, 
a fan during the World Cup where she fell in love with the way Modric played. And that's how she became. So she became a sports fan through the World Cup. She became a football fan through the World Cup. And then she became a Modric fan through the World Cup. And then she followed Modric to the regular season and is now a Real Madrid fan because of that. So it's a really cool story. Um. And as to where where it's all coming from, like for the first time in your life, I like I have a lot of friends who, the same way, just like you through the World Cup. Because even if you're sometimes a casual football observer, but your country, for example, is in playing in the World Cup, you you feel it. Like you you're a part of it. You want you're rooting for your country, and uh, and that kind of gets you into the the sports fandom and the football fandom, and that gets you hooked. So, I think that's where that's where a lot of people kind of get get started. Um, how did, I mean, you were born in Madrid, but do you want to share your experience of becoming a Real Madrid fan? Yeah, and what I'll yeah, and what I'll say is that whenever people ask me like, how do you get into the sport, or like, what's the best way to get into the sport, I always say, find a player you like, like watch a game, find a player you like, and then learn background, learn a little bit about his life. And then you have a connection to that player and you start learning about other players and then you start learning about the team and then it just grows from there. So I think once you kind of have a, an affiliation and a connection with a player and like this example, El really liked Modric. Um, I think that's kind of where it, it all comes together. Um, and for me, yeah, like you said, I was actually born in Madrid. Um, not not Spanish, even though I like to tell my girlfriend that I am and make and tell her I have white blood, but she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't buy that. Um, but yeah, um, live in the states, but um, I've really been I really really got it. Like I've just always felt a connection to Madrid, obviously, and just the gleam of the white jersey, like just the prestige that you felt like when you saw Real Madrid on TV. That's just like what got to me, and I. Probably like when I really started getting into the games was around 2000, the year 2000, so right at the turn of the century, and I was a, and it was hard to watch games back then because the TV, um, yeah. you had to have like a subscription and everything. So, but once I was, I'll admit it, as a youngster, I was a huge, huge David Beckham fan. So when he came over to Madrid, I was, uh, I, I was so happy. Um, and that's when I was able, like, really watching all the games, getting streamed, like, making sure I got good streams, and then eventually convinced my family to purchase the uh, full subscription for Gold TV back then. Um, literally watched every single game, and just, and so again, it goes back to kind of a plug, but just the glee, like, the prestige. I've always, you just felt something when you saw all those white shirts come out onto the beautiful Santiago Bernabeu. It's just something, there's just something about that. Well, this, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's the cool story. Like you were, so turn of the century, I was a bit before you, I was, uh, 97, 98, that year when we won the seventh and the Mihatovic goal and the famous goal and his, the, the celebration for a son against Juve, that was my first year of fandom, but it wasn't nearly as complete as it is today because of the reasons you mentioned. Like there was no, there was no coverage, uh, especially growing up in a small town in Canada. So uh, my Maridisa roots come kind of before that. And this like this this question surfaces I think once a year or so, and I think people have heard me say this story before, so I won't be too long with it. But 
um, basically that <clears throat> my my parents lived in Spain for six years. So my dad was Maridista, passed on to my blood when I was born. Um, but I didn't really show much interest in football until that 97, 98 season. And then it peaked that year. I started playing a lot. I watched the World Cup. Um, heartbroken because you're we watching Spain, and Spain really was terrible in that tournament. And uh, and then and then really just like man, I fell in love with Raúl. Like, just it was just crazy. I think if you like, if you ask me, like my now wife, we we were dating back then actually. Yeah, huh. uh, and uh, she like literally all 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 we. All we talked about was Raul because I was just crazy about him. And it's like, I think this <laughs> obsession, but she would get me like these Raul shirts and like these posters. And, um, <clears throat> and you know, like grew up watching the eighth, ninth, uh, and then obviously the dark years and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's interesting though that like a lot of this day and age, more so than back then, seems to be very pl- player oriented fandom more so than club fandom. Like, I wouldn't say it eclipsed club fandom by any means, but you see a lot of people now just become a fan of a certain player and follow that player during their career. So, I mean, you could see that clearly with Ronaldo, how many fans basically just moved on um, from the team and went to Juve. And that's fine. I mean, whatever, I think whatever makes you happy and draws you in, that's totally cool with me. Um but I mean, I'll never completely understand it, but yeah, <laughs> I, I can accept it. But no, I'll never I don't understand this, these understand. kids, they're millennials. <laughs> their cell phones and their, and their Ronaldo fandom. Uh, Brandon Power says, withdrawing Barca, Solari needs to make sure he uses most of the squad and rotates efficiently during the month and a few days. We are going to need everybody in form. And how do you guys think Benzema will do playing nine games in a, in a month span? Five of them against elite teams. Because Mariano couldn't pay somebody to stay healthy, well, this came, this also question also came in before Mariano scored today. Uh, also, do you guys think Isco plays some major minutes during this month and Marcelo's role grows into the team? So I think if if Marcelo and Isco get into the team, particularly Isco, it's got to be around this time because the upcoming schedule is insane. And this is why I said that eventually we talk about Isco minutes again because <clears throat> Wednesday we have Barca. Saturday, we have Atletico. Three, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Three days after, we have Ajax. Then Girona. That'll be probably maybe a game where, where and that's Girona at home, although not necessarily easy, but that is kind of like a, a relief. And then you have Levante. So there's like a one or two week stretch. Maybe that's where players who are on the fringes get some playing time. Then back at it. Then Barca again. Then Barca twice in a row. So the Copa game on the 27th. And then the... Oh, that's going to be nuts. And then five <laughs> days later, again, Barca in in the Bernabeu both times. See, like, I this is, <clears throat> this is also bad scheduling on my part. But I had actually booked a trip to Madrid cause for the Classico on the second and Ajax. And uh, at that time... I didn't know that we were going to play on the 27th against Barca. So I'll, that's the day I will get in and I, or I think leave. So I don't even know if I'll be able to watch it. <clears throat> that's just an annoying thing for me. But so during that, this stretch, this has got to be a time, right? Where players on the fringes at least get in, be it the big game or the, or the small games, they at least have to get some playing time. I think, I mean, it could be wrong, but I think this has got to be when you, when you do your rotations. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, <clears throat> it's something I've mentioned before. I'm a little bit worried about the amount of games Kareem Benzema is playing right now. Um, it's good that we finally have Mario back. Um, I'd like to see if we need to give Benzema some rest because, I mean, we've seen it before when we play him this much. By the end of the season, he is just dead. So it really, really kind of pushed him to the max, and I, I'm, wor- I'm worried that that could happen. He's the one I'm really worried about. Um, that's a fair point. I wonder, I mean, but the thing is, like, when are you going to rest him? I prob- I don't know if it's going to be a bet against Barca or Atletico. I don't know if you can afford to do that. So it's probably going to be against Girona, Levante, that part of the schedule. Because um, yeah, I don't see him being rested against Barca, Atletico, or Ajax, the, the next three games, essentially. Um, Thomas Berg just wants to quickly say that so impressed by Vinicius Jr. Seems good for at least one goal involvement per game. Um, key pass, assists, or hockey assists. He's highly involved in the recent seven to, to eight games. Robert Os- Roberto Osorio says, Hey guys, another good game today. Just wanted to sound the alarm that we could have up to five Classicos in the next four months. Hala Madrid. Which only happens if we draw them in the, well, draw them at all from now until the end of the season, the Champions League, which yeah. I hope not. There would this was like only because I I just have like a nightmare from this happening in 2010, oh 2011, God, yeah. where we played played them in the Copa final and then twice in the Champions League. We got the Copa final win. It was grueling, gut wrenching. It was the Ronaldo extra time header. Um, I'm still not over the. Pepe incident with yeah. Danny Alves. That's Pepe still Danny Alves. Uh, the phantom red card. That wasn't a red card. No. <laughs> and the second leg, Iguain gets that goal disallowed for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which was oh, like yeah. a comeback moment for us. Yeah. So I, I, I hope not. I, I don't know if my heart can take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a high risk, high reward thing playing them. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Zoran Basincic says, half joking, half serious. Will we see more than five minutes of Brahim Diaz this or any other season? Given our options on the wings and the middle, it doesn't seem likely he'll get serious game time. Even more so now when Copa del Rey became an important goal for us. I don't really see it happening next season either. I feel sorry for the guy and also for the 15 million that went out the window. The Brahim Diaz one, I still still kind of scratch my head about. Yeah, especially with Especially for, with Odegaard, to me. Yeah, so it's my thought process was the same. I don't with Odegaard playing so well. I don't see why we'd even bring it in. But uh, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I guess the Girona game, the Levante game, those games you talked about are probably his best bets for getting some minutes. Otherwise, it's probably not going to be very much. And then we'll see what happens in the off season. I I think he should go out on loan and just he, he's. any sort of minutes well they opted not to loan him for this window obviously um just telling him they are uh, right they didn't want to loan him so i don't they just maybe just want that extra insurance of depth if something goes wrong i guess um you know i it but still i you know i <laughs> people say like you could have had him for free like i i don't really see it that way because if you get him, you know, you're probably not getting him for free anyway. You're, it's going to be a bidding war. Um, 
and getting him for 15 million I, or whatever it's i guess it's a way to lock him up but i just don't think i, I don't know what what happens to him i just I, it's it's unknown it's unknowable at this point i don't know um not not really a question but just to end it off um <clears throat> first of all like a lot of people sending in their love um to Gabe who obviously his grandfather passed away so we we're going to forward all those messages to Gabe thank you so much for uh being there for him and uh and also Eric Dantoni says uh excellent backpedaling from Gabe after dissing Louisiana law uh Nice to hear such cool things about my hometown of New Orleans. If anybody from the community ever comes down here, let me know. I'll give you all the local experience. Um, so that's just just something from Eric. If you guys are in New Orleans, message him on Patreon. And uh, it was <laughs> the Louisiana thing. Like It was kind of a blur to me when it happened, but it stemmed from a discussion about <laughs> Brett, Brett Favre somehow because we were talking about why his name is pronounced Favre instead of Favre, like <laughs> Lucien Favre is. <laughs> so that's how that started. <clears throat> um, NFL just keeps making its way into the managing Madrid somehow, podcast. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> um, anything to plug, Matt? Before we wrap it up? Uh, no, not not at the moment. Not at the moment. Okay. Um, Matt's player ratings will go up at some point tonight. Check those out. This podcast. Uh, well, you've oh, you if you're this far, that means you've listened and you're you're still with us, and you might consider. Okay becoming a patron patreon.com slash managing madrid or at the very least just um leave us a rating on itunes that that would even be very helpful for us so thank you so much for listening until next time probably i guess we'll be back wednesday night for the classical should be fun uh, oh no you and i will be back tuesday for the loan tracker yep uh, we have stuff yep. to talk about again we won't spoil it although you probably have heard of odegaard's goal but Uh, We'll break it down further on Tuesday. Until then, Halamari. Halamari.